Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Let's join together in prayer and ask God to bless our time together in His Word. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You so much for Your great goodness and love. We praise You for uh, the great blessing of being uh, Your people called by Your name. And Lord, we pray that You would help us to come together in love, come together in a desire to, to follow after You, come together as a people of God, uh, to commit ourselves to trusting in You, uh, trusting in Your guidance in our life, allowing You, Father, to be the Lord, uh, leader and the guide uh, to this nation. Lord, we pray that You would bless us now as we open Your Word. Lord, we pray that You would speak to our hearts and that Your Spirit would be full within this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to... Uh, Psalms chapter 133, Psalm 133, and today I want to share with you um, uh, a passage of Scripture that I think speaks to us even to this day, and uh, all of us, uh, while you're finding Psalms, uh, over in Matthew chapter 5, there is the account of Jesus teaching uh, the multitudes uh, on the mount, and He uh, shares the Beatitudes that's found there in Matthew chapter 5. And uh, it talks about how if we are uh, poor in spirit that we'll inherit the kingdom of God If we're uh, and many other attributes about uh, which we need to have within our life and how God will bless us and how God will change the circumstances in our life when we're going through difficulty, when we're going through struggles, when we're going through uh, the most trying times in our life, that God will instead take those times and uh, transform our life in a way that is pleasing to Him. Well, today I want to share with you what someone came together uh, and uh, he uh, entitled it a set of Satan's Beatitudes uh, that said that if the devil were to write his own Beatitudes, they might go something like this. And I'm going to read them uh, so that I'll get them right. Uh, I won't be able to memorize them. Uh, Blessed are those who are too tired and too busy and too distracted to spend an hour once a week with their fellow Christians. They are my best workers. Blessed are those Christians who wait to be asked and expected to be thanked. I can use them. Blessed are the touchy with a bit of luck. Uh, They may uh, stop going to church. They are my missionaries. Blessed are the troublemakers. They shall be called my children. Blessed are the complainers, and I'm all ears to them. Blessed are they who are bored with the minister's mannerisms and mistakes, for they get nothing out of his sermons. Blessed is the church member who expects to be invited to his own church, for he is a part of the problem instead of the solution. Blessed are they who gossip, for they shall cause strife and division that please me. 
Blessed are they who are easily offended, for they will soon get angry and quit. Blessed are they who do not give their offering to carry on God's work, for they are my helpers. Blessed is he who professes to love God, but hates his brother and sister, for he shall be with me forever. Blessed are you when you read this and think it is about other people and not yourself. I've already got you. And so what we need to understand is is that... uh, when we allow the little things in our life, when we allow the petty things, when we allow the, uh, the problems and the issues and the struggles that we're all facing to be those things that keep us away from God rather than coming to God, uh, it is a delight and a joy to Satan. It is uh, Satan's best time in his, uh, his uh, work within our lives to try and drive us away from one another, try and cause division between us, to cause us to uh, have anger towards one another. And those are the times that we're the least useful for God's kingdom. Those are the times in which we have the most difficulty coming together to do anything for the Lord. And those are the times in which uh, we uh, are less least like the, the family of God. So I want us to turn to uh, Psalm 133. It's a very short psalm. Uh, it is... Um, it, it is just a couple of verses, uh, but it has such great meaning. It has uh, such great significance for us today that I feel like we need to take a moment and read uh, through this and see what God has for us today. He says in uh, Psalm 133, uh, uh, this is a song of the decree of David. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. And as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountain of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. And this is a very short psalm. But it's talking about uh, being united. It's talking about coming together. And we're all familiar with uh, the phrase, united we stand, divided we fall. Uh, now, Patrick Henry, in his last speech uh, before uh, the American people, uh, uttered this phrase, but he was not original in that phrase. He was not the first one to use it. In fact, uh, Jesus used a rendition of that phrase himself in uh, uh, some of the things that he taught his disciples. He said, a house divided cannot stand. In fact, Abraham Lincoln used that very scripture as a basis for uh, uh, one of his most most famous speeches called that itself a house divided when he was trying to keep the the union of our nation together during that most uh, uh, divisive of times within our history. We need to understand that a house divided, uh, uh, and Jesus was talking about uh, the house of God. We cannot stand as as God's people if we're divided. If we're divided amongst ourselves, we cannot get anything done. We can't serve God. We can't be in unity with God. And so God here put upon the heart of David during uh, his time of creativity as he sat down and wrote uh, this psalm. He says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is 
uh, for the brethren to dwell together in unity. I want us to look at, at this uh, by a particular words, uh, a few words here uh, at a time. If you see the words there, good and how pleasant, uh, we can just skim over those words very quickly and not see the significance of those words. Uh, the word good there is a, is a Hebrew word that is uh, not just simply for good. You know, you can, uh, you, you sit down and you ask a teenager, how, how, uh, how's their bowl of cereal this morning? They're good, it's good, it's okay, it's all right, it's good, it's good. Um, and, and a teenager, uh, they're basically saying it's not bad to the point where I want to spit it out. It's, it's, uh, it's okay enough for me to eat and put it in my mouth. Uh, and a lot of things we tend to, to generalize in a way like that. It's good. Well, uh, how are you doing today? Well, I'm okay. I'm good. Um, but this word good here means a lot more. It means blessed. It means uh, overflowing with uh, the riches and the rich, uh, richness of God's blessing in your life. This word good means more than just a simple, well, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm good. I'm okay. we, we, we just miss the significance of this word if we think about it in that general sense. Yes, it is a word that, that means good, but what is, what is the significance of being good? Um, David's writing during a time in which the people of Israel uh, are oppressed by all those uh, uh, nations and countries and peoples all around them, and they're in a constant battle for their survival and their existence. And so he, when, when David says that they are good, when uh, blessed, uh, uh, behold how good and how pleasant it is, He's not just saying, oh, 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 it's better than nothing, you know, or it's, it's, it's not bad. He's saying good in the terms and the sense of, of, of we're not being bombarded by the, the, our enemy. We're not uh, enduring. We're not running for our life. We're not uh, uh, avoiding the, uh, the hunger, the, uh, the, uh, the frustrations, the difficulties, the struggles of being at war. He's saying, "How uh, behold, how blessed, how wonderful, how gracious, how gracious, uh, great it is, and how pleasant it is. Uh, to, uh, we take so much for granted in our nation, uh, a nation of freedom, our nation of, of abundance, of goodness, that we fail to realize how good our good is. We get we get frustrated, uh, you know. So I see some people that are that are upset if they go through the the uh, uh, line at the coffee store that if their order gets a little bit mixed up or a little bit off. Oh, they put they put whole milk instead of half milk in here. Oh, I'm just so frustrated. I'm so awful, awful. We don't know how good we have life until we think about how how everyone else in the world lives and how our poorest of the poor are probably considered wealthy in some of the nations around this world. We're very blessed 
He says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren. Now he's talking about those who are uh, called, uh, as, as in Second uh, Chronicles there says, who are called together by my name. How good and how blessed and how pre- uh, pleasant it is for those who consider themselves a part of the family of God, who consider themselves a part of uh, the nation of God, who consider themselves the brethren, the ones who are called together. Why are they being blessed? Why is it so good? Why is it so pleasant? Because they're dwelling together in unity. Cohesion. Unity. That word unity is referring to uh, uh, a not, not just simply, uh, uh, you know, you ask the kids to stand up and say the pledge, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. You know, uh, one nation under God, talking about unity there. Um, but that unity that it speaks of there in Psalm 133 speaks of a oneness of spirit. Our lives are good. Our lives are blessed. Our lives are, are enriched and, and overflowing with, with God's blessings when we're united together in Him. That's what that verse is saying. When we come together as a body of believers, we need to come together in the Spirit of God, coming together in one spirit and one uh, desire to serve God with one uh, heart within us to beat and to serve God. He says, Blessed is he uh, um, who... uh, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. And then he begins to try and describe how that blessedness is. I want you to see what, how he describes that blessedness. And the reason why I say this word good here means more than just simple a uh, good. Uh, well, that's good. That's good. Uh, you know, I like it a, lo- a little bit. Uh, I could do with it or I could do without it. It means more than that. He says in verse 2, he says, uh, this is how good it is. He says, it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. Well, if you just simply read this verse and you don't know a whole lot about uh, the history of Israel or the significance of what's being said here, you're really going to miss what it means. This precious ointment, this... uh, uh, I I read one description of it. It, it, They said it was grease. Uh, It's more than uh, grease. It's it's a soothing oil. It is uh, the olive oil that was used by... the priest, the the one who would uh, anoint the head of the next king, the one who was called upon to anoint the head of the next high priest, and that's what it's referring to here. When Aaron was uh, anointed as the uh, the high priest of the people of Israel, um, this was a time of of great upheaval for the people of Israel. They had just come out of uh, the. Uh, very difficult circumstance of being in uh, slavery in Egypt. And they, were, uh, they had just seen the hand of God in a mighty way uh, eliminate Pharaoh's army at uh, the Red Sea. Uh, they just had seen uh, the magnificent deliverance of God uh, 
to bring them out of Egypt after Pharaoh repeatedly said, "Uh, no, you can't go out into the wilderness and and worship your God. Uh, Okay, now you can go. You can go. uh, Then then as soon as uh, they get ready, no, you can't go. Uh, Do you think I'm crazy to let you people go? You'll never come back. And uh, back and forth, back and forth. Pharaoh went back and forth. uh, uh, Whenever God would would tax his heart with a, a plague, he would concede and then as soon as God let it up, uh, his heart would grow hard again and he would say, no, you can't go. And so finally after the ten plagues uh, hit Egypt on the last one where uh, the firstborn was was uh, killed uh, by the... Uh, the uh, death angel that came through Egypt, he finally relented and said, not only will I let you go, I'm going to... Uh, he, it's almost like he's driving him out. Get out of here. I don't want to see y'all ever again. Uh, leave. And the people of Egypt were compelled to give them uh, gold and silver uh, earrings and bracelets and, and nose rings and, and necklaces and all this stuff. They said, if you can just simply get out of here, we've had enough. We've had enough. Leave leave, leave. Uh, and so uh, the people of Israel are uh, slaves. They're on their own all of a sudden. They're not being taxed and they're not being uh, forced into labor. They're, uh, they're fleeing for their lives and they're uh, leaving uh, from Egypt. And then uh, Pharaoh's army comes and, and is going to, uh, they fear they're going to die there at the Red Sea. And, and God places himself between them and, and Pharaoh's army and uh, delivers them by allowing them to walk on dry land through the Red Sea. And then as Pharaoh's army chases after them, they see this, you know, large walls of water that God suspended so they could walk through to come down upon Pharaoh's army and destroy his whole ar- the, the most powerful army in the world at that time. And so they, are, they have seen the hand of God move And God says, now I'm going to establish you as my people. I'm giving you laws and I'm going to to use Aaron as uh, the high priest. And he uh, instructs Moses to anoint the head of uh, Moses, uh, Moses to anoint the head of Aaron and his sons as priests, and Aaron is the high priest, and he adorns Aaron with all these uh, these clothes that he's to wear whenever he serves God in the, in the tabernacle, and it is to remind the people of the holiness of God. It's to remind the people of of God's uh, uh, deliverance. It's to remind them of how special they are. They are called out by God, and here they anoint the head of of Aaron as uh, uh, the high priest so that they can finally have unity with God. They can finally have uh, a conduit to God. You know what that means? The significance? Uh, Just imagine going for generations without being able to to have a, a connection with God and then all of a sudden, finally, you have a connection to God. It's through Aaron. And it begins when Moses pours that oil over his head and sets him aside. It's almost a, a, a foreshadowing of, of the coming of Jesus Christ, that permanent uh, uh, relationship, that permanent link that we'll have with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. 
But Aaron serves as that temporary link between the people and God, and finally they're able to come together with God. What a wonderful day. What a blessed day. And that oil just, uh, uh, just runs down through his hair, runs down into his beard, and covers his, his robes so that the people are able to see that he's set apart. That's a precious thing. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. That's how good it is that now finally you get to be in the, uh, uh, at a relationship with God that's more than just simply something you're told about happened generations ago, but now it's happening in your lifetime. He says, that's what the unity that the brothers of you coming together with each other is like, where you're finally doing what God desires for your life, and you're finally blessed so much that God is, is working in your life and through your life, and it is akin to that time in which the people of God were blessed. And he says, it's also like the dew of Hermon, and the dew descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Well, this is a mountain range that's on the, uh, the outskirts of the land of, of Israel. And this is Mount Hermon was the place in which the people were, if you'll go back and you'll read through uh, Exodus and that time in which they're coming into the, uh, the land of Israel, God instructed them as they just began to, to come into that area that they were to split the people of Israel in two. And they were, some of them were to go up on uh, Mount Hermon and some of them were to go on an adjacent mountain. And there they were to recite uh, uh, this litany that they were uh, supposed to recite and, and God gave it to Moses that they were to share with one another. And it's, it's how wonderful, blessed that we are. And it's back and forth. The, uh, the people on one side would ask a question and on the other side they would say, surely goodness, the goodness and mercy of God is with us. And they would say, well, we're going through all these problems. We're going through all these issues. And the other people on the other side would say, surely goodness and mercy of God is with us. And back and forth and back and forth. And, and standing there as one of the participants, you would hear, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter how things are going on in your life. The goodness and mercy of God is there with you. And it's recorded in one of the Psalms here in the book of Psalms. You can read through it. Uh, back and forth they go. Back and forth they go about uh, what about when all these people come in and they seek to oppress us? Surely in goodness and mercy of the Lord is with us. And so what he's saying here is, is when we have unity with one another, the goodness of God, the mercy of God is like, uh, like the dew that comes over this mountain. It fills our life. The goodness and the blessing of God descends upon us and we're blessed of God forevermore. The blessings of God were overflowing in our life forevermore. You say, well, what good is that for me? This is a bunch of Old Testament stuff. This is a bunch of Old 
Testament things and promises to people that they aren't even around anymore. These are blessings for, for the people of Israel. This is not for us. The truths are still the same. Jesus related back to this unity that, that David here is talking about when he said, a house divided can't stand. When we're uh, not united with one another, we don't have that unity. We're not blessed. When we're in, well, uh, one thing you need to understand is, is that it doesn't matter where you read it in the Bible, the promises of God are always relevant for us today. God's promise is, is that when we stand in unity, when we're in, united with God, when we allow uh, the, uh, the unity of His Holy Spirit to weave and wove itself between us, it's like the, the weaver's loom that, uh, that uh, goes back and forth between the strands. It pulls all the people together and instead of being divided, instead of being all out of uh, uh, caterwaul and all out of joint, it pulls us all together and then we have a cohesive unit not only that we're stronger we're united we we have a resilience we have a strength god says how good it is how blessed it is how wonderful it is when we're united because god is able to work in us and through us when god uh, when god's people are brought together and are united the spirit of god works and moves in us we're able to accomplish his will and desire that's for us today. We need that today. We need that more than ever today. The unity of the Spirit of God within us to stand in the midst of all the troubles and all the problems that we're facing. The unity and the, the, the cohesiveness of living in unity with one another to stand together with common purpose of sharing the love of Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Maybe today you, you can't possibly have that experience, that feeling, because you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ. You're saying, well, I, I don't understand the, these great blessings, the excitement that you have about talking about being united in, in, in unity with the Spirit. I don't understand all that. It begins with the first step of, of realizing that you can't save yourself. We try and, and stand on our own so much. We try and stand uh, by building up our bank accounts, of having a big house, of having security and, and all kinds of stocks and bonds and 401ks and all kinds of things. But all that can turn to dust. All that can blow away in a moment. The only true security that we have is, is understanding and knowing that, that Jesus Christ is the only one who can come into our lives and right the wrong that's, that's within us. We can't wait. We can't try and, and get right with God before we come and ask Jesus into our heart and life. He wants to come into our life just the way you are. Just the uh, you, you say, I, I can't possibly come to Jesus the way I am. I'm, I've, just, I've got so many things that are going on. I'm doing all kinds of things I'm not supposed to be doing. I, I'm a part of things that I shouldn't be a part of. God doesn't tell you, get your life right and then come to me. He says, come to me just the way you are just the way you are. I'll take you. 
with all the sores and the and the scars and and all the blemishes and all the the blackness of, of sin in your life just the way you are. Come to me. When you're heavy laden, when you're burdened down with all the, the problems and the difficulties and the struggles, and you're not getting anywhere, you're spinning your tires, you're 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 not getting any better, you're just going further and further and further and deeper and further away from God. He says, just call out my name. Just call to me. And I'll reach out. I'll reach out and pull you up. I'll reach out and lift you up. Jesus says, just come to me the way you are. And He'll save you. He'll redeem you. And He'll change your life. Maybe today you need to accept Jesus Christ in your heart and life. Maybe today you need to recommit your life. Maybe you're a Christian. You've, you've been growing colder to God. You haven't been studying His Word. haven't been reading it. hadn't been applying it in your life. And you've allowed a lot of things into your life that you shouldn't allow. It's easy to happen. You're not alone. All of us falter and fall. Jesus says, come. Come to me and I'll help you get it right once again. Maybe you need to rededicate your life, recommit your life. Maybe you just simply want to have your life better. Things have been falling apart. You need to reach out to Jesus. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing. and This is not a time just to sing. It's a time to respond to God. It's a time to, to reach out to Jesus and say, Help me, Jesus. Lift me up. Help me, Jesus. I want to be united with my brothers. Help me, Jesus. I need you in my life. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just pray that you would bless us in this time. Move within our hearts. Lord, help us to see a a tremendous movement of the Spirit of God within us. The lives would be changed and transformed that we might be united in our love to You. That we might see the family of God pull together to serve You, to be blessed by You because of the unity of the Spirit that we have in You. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand and sing hymn number 437, from the very first uh, stanza, won't you come? If God has placed placed a burden upon your heart, maybe you need to accept Jesus into your life. Maybe you need to recommit your life. Whatever it is, as we sing the very first stanza, come, won't you come?